Welcome back to our Change Cultivators listeners. And we are here back in season five, where we are looking at a different kind of leader. Leaders that foster an understanding of change. They are enablers. They nurture innovations. They are liberators from fears, visionaries. They are listeners. They are discerners of trends. They challenge the status quo and are very often mavericks, revolutionaries, and breaths of fresh air. So I am here with my co-host, Patrick Fitzmaurice. Patrick. So exciting to be back. You know, these conversations around leadership we've been having, Roz, are so informative and so many great insights taken from, you know, people who are out there leading in really turbulent times. And uh, I'm really excited about today's conversation as well. So super to be back with you and all of the listeners. Great. And our guest today, I'm very pleased to say, is a repeat, a return guest, a, a dear friend of Change Cultivators, Mahul Kapadia. Um, Mahul is the Global Head of Marketing for Large Enterprise and Public Sector at Vodafone. And we had him on the show um, in very, very early days uh, when he was at Motorsports Network. So Mahul, so good to have you back. Thank you so much. And it's such a pleasure to be back with you and a wonderful topic again that you've chosen. I've been following so much of what you do on LinkedIn and through all the podcast and brilliantly informative, right? So it's always, always a joy to be discussing with you. That's fantastic. And as you follow us, we've been following you. And uh, Mahul's had quite a, a, an interesting background across sort of large uh, you know, and smaller sectors. So who was the uh, head of global marketing at Tata Communications, a big global telecommunications network for many, many years. He was in the COO of Motorsport Network, a very agile, uh, fun, exciting, high-paced uh, sports network company, and has now moved into his role as uh, head of marketing for enterprise at Vodafone. Um, so, Mahul, why don't we kick off with you've you know seen change across different structures, different cultures, different team sizes, geographies, you know, from India to you know the UAE to London to all over the world. Um, what is the biggest changes you've seen as you've moved, not, not only in terms of time, because obviously this has happened over a number of years, but just in terms of, of culture and, and mindset and behaviors of companies across those different kinds of structures in the last few years? Yeah, no, that's true. And actually, last three years has been exciting, right? With those changes from a large company to then a mid-sized company to now a large company again. Um, I think while there are a lot of differences, there are also a lot of similarities, right? And the similarities really are uh, that we all know this, right? But no one size that fits all, right? Even when you look at two different... Uh, so whether it's geography or in terms of what you're actually taking as you're offering into the customer space, end of the day, how true are you to your offerings, right? And how does that then determine what you're doing as an organization? And looking at Tata at that time, Tata Communications more specifically, it was about the value that we were able to bring to customers cross geography, right? And if you stay true to that, then whatever your offerings, your marketing strategies, et cetera, flow from it. From at Motorsport Network, it was being true to the motorsport fan, right? Can you do everything that services the fan's journey, whether the fan's journey is to look at content or to go visit a race or do something else with it or do esports or gaming? 
And with Vodafone, again, now the difference is that we're far more heavily focused on Europe and South Africa and, and parts of Africa with, of course, other global businesses. But Europe, we keep saying it's a we feel it's a homogenous market because there's the EU. But the reality is it's so many different markets, so many different cultures, um, and, and the ability to adapt and figure out the different ways to address them, uh, really, you need to focus on. It's so cool the way you talk about kind of being true to what you're doing and and being consistently excellent at it, right? So uh, I'd love to dig into Vodafone a little bit, right? So um, I know congrats to the team there that Gartner has once again recognized, which I think it was the fourth year in a row with their leaders quadrant. And I get intrigued by that. And, you know, we were talking a little bit about sports and different kinds of sports. When you get into that kind of three-peat dynasty area where you're doing something right consistently in a, in a, in a competitive marketplace and a marketplace that's changing a lot. So um, if you could talk a little bit, like tell the story a little bit to our audience, like what is this leaders quadrant mean? Like, what does it mean your Vodafone is doing as a company that sets them apart? And kind of what is really driving that? Because to four years in a row to be at that level of excellence, um, something's happening that's really cool. And maybe it goes back to what you said, it's being true to offerings, but there's probably more to the story than that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think uh, uh, for our listeners, who uh, some of who would have followed the Gartner thing, uh, Gartner essentially publishes magic quadrants, right? For various different categories. And the one we're referring to here right now is around the network category. And Gartner essentially looks at two things, right? As you look at the different organizations. One is the vision, right? What is the vision that the organization has? And the other is it pretty much about how do you make it real, which is the execution part, right? Because being visionary and not executing, you still can't be a leader. So I think what what really happens here and Patrick to your point about consistency I think that's something that really comes into play because to be a leader you have to be continuously pleasing your customers in the right way right and and I think because Gartner takes into account how are the customers reacting to us how do they say speak about us things like peer insights they'll take into consideration also if we actually put something on our on our roadmap, did we actually deliver to that roadmap, right? right? And, and not just as a product offering, but are there real customers behind it? Is there real revenue behind it, right? Uh, so I think it's a very holistic way to look at it. And I think it, it it's a nice way by which there is an external known entity, which is giving almost a third party view of what you are doing. And I think it's quite proud for the organization that we've been able to do it consistently year on year. Uh, in fact, linked to that for our IoT services, we've done it eight years in a row now, right? And uh, that's just the sheer consistency of the- Yeah, and I love how you kind of wrap that up, said, look, some companies can have a real vision of how they deliver value to the marketplace and can fall off on the execution side, right? To be consistently great and live in that quadrant in a, in a Gartner world. It means you actually are maintaining and maybe adapting a vision because the world is changing, but you're consistently on that vision, but you also can execute against it. And um, I love that you use that word because too often people forget about the execution part. Yeah. And um, so talking about, about leadership, so, you know, the Garden Magic Quadrant is the, the gold standard, particularly in the, the enterprise business. And, and, you know, you've chatted through what it takes to be a leader. So consistently say what you're going to do, deliver it, you know, let your yes be your yes, your no be your no, and, and, and really 
Um, you know, and I think that's a basic in human nature, right? Raising children, friendships, business, everything. It's is, you know, do I know who I'm dealing with? Are they consistent? Are they showing up to the party? Do I trust them? And um, another thing you guys are doing in it, particularly with Vodafone in, in your leadership role in the industry is the Fit for the Future report. Um, that you've partnered with uh, the London School of Economics. And I'm going to dive into a question with you there, but if you look at, uh, you know, we were looking at the Fit for the Future report and some of the key attributes of that is, you know, a positive attitude to change as a business, you know, being open to new technologies, your future plans for technology, detailed strategies, you know, being up to date on emerging trends and being adaptable. So, you know, there's one thing, delivering being consistent but then if we're looking at the future now so Gartner is what you've delivered to date and then the future of the report the future uh, report is really but that's not enough you know how are we looking ahead as a business so talk to me a little bit about how um, Vodafone and then more so you as a leader um, are approaching this and why did you partner with the Fit for the Future report with it's the London School of Economics? Why is this important to the business? No, I'm, I'm so glad you bring up the Fit for the Future report, right? It's, it's actually a very extensive piece of work that we've done now for a couple of years back to back. And see, fundamentally, as a as a market leader in what we do with our range of services, right? Whether it's mobile, fixed, and a whole bunch of other IoT, et cetera, services. It's also really important to build the correlation of not just technology, but how does technology then impact commercial performance, right? And, and bringing that marriage of two together. So Fit for the Future really looks at where are you as a business what are you doing to adopt technology or best practices or principles around sustainability, change, et cetera? So looks at actually those change dimensions and then derives a strong linkage into commercial performance, right? And that's where a partnership with LAC comes in. They, they're one of the best out there, right? In terms of their understanding of this and partner with partnering with them, uh, what this report enables is that it's, it's an actionable tool, right? So one thing is to give thought leadership and data and content, but the other is how do you make it actionable? So whether you're a small business or you're a large business, you could actually leverage this report to drive that linkage to show how the business mindset and actions that you are taking are preparing you for the future and how they can potentially then give you those twin dividends, right? Which you expect as a company, which is one is profits and the other is social impact. Right. So that correlation is what we've attempted to do with the report. Well, and, and, and I love it. And the, 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 the last trait attribute was uh, adaptability, right, which is really hard in organizations, right? Because, um, you know, we talk about it in terms of our principles of, you know, are you, are you a nurturer of innovation and a challenger of the status quo? It's hard for a scale company to go, I am actually gonna think through this from a perspective of challenging the status quo because that's how I, how I win. There's very few companies that can actually do that. And adaptability feels like agility to me as I hear that word, right? How do you, how does that manifest itself? As you think about the, the Fit for the Future Report and our listeners are listening to that one nugget saying, look, we have to be nurturers of innovation. We have to be not scared about occasionally rising up to the status quo, but we have a scale business to run. How do we deal that in an agile, adaptable way? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think the the key 
thing that came out of that report, right? And a lot of it actually, while we may think is intuitive, it also surprises you when you see it with the data correlation. Companies which are standing genuinely true to the purpose and genuinely putting at the heart things like sustainability and social impact, they are actually getting better dividends, right? And again, you as you will go through the report, sometimes it is more difficult for smaller companies uh, to invest that much time and attention into those, right? Because sometimes they become good to have rather than they are at the core. But as they're looking at growing, as they look at scaling, right? The importance of factoring that in right at the word go is, is something that the report really highlights. Very so cool. Mahul, are you, are you saying that R&D is becoming a bigger piece of business now? Because in the past, a lot of companies would have R&D arms, research and development arms, um, that would kind of be on the side of the businesses and nice to have. But what I'm hearing from what you're saying with Vodafone and the, 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 the effort that's being put in and the resources and the time and the partnerships is actually without a huge R&D arm, our business is not going to survive because we can't be sitting on what we've done well in the past if we're not changing and evolving and moving and looking ahead like we, we're going to become stagnant and obsolete. So really, would you say that, that companies are and should be investing more in R&D than they've ever done in the past? Um, I, I, would, I agree. I would nuance it a bit, saying that one is about what you do as your own innovation, right? But the fact today is that innovation happens all around us, right? And how do we adapt something that is happening in other sectors, other industries, other partners, and bringing that ecosystem together mm. because no one company is able to solve the entire mm. question themselves, right? And, and yeah. the, the reality is that you will have limits on the amount of costs that you can invest. But are you innovating across the value cycle? Are you innovating with best practices from across industries? right? Mm. And with the partner ecosystem. So that's kind of the way I would look at, you know, how do you progress? Mm. So I suppose it's greater operational efficiency to make sure you've got agility and, and more focused out, output. And I, I love your comment. Well, we had a, um, a Duncan Wardle was on the podcast a while ago, uh, ex-head of uh, innovation at Disney. Uh, and Duncan says sometimes, if you built an innovation department, I can tell you you're bad at it because it's not a department, right? It's not people over there do innovation or R&D. We've got to constantly be threading that throughout the organization. And so, you know, as we talk about challenges of status quo and kind of being nurturers of innovation, it's not having a group of people who have that in their title. It's about kind of a mindset of innovation across the business. Maybe talk a little bit more about that quick, quickly, because I think it's a really interesting point that you kind of point, kind of touched on there. Yeah, absolutely right. Because I think you you it'll, you have to find different ways across the value chain, right? So whether it's typically innovation R and D we associated with a product or a technology, right? But actually, the way you reach out to your marketing to your customers, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm I'm sure the Super Bowl uh, we would have followed and seen some of the innovations that happened there. Look at the way Coinbase uh, did their campaign on Super Bowl with that QR code, right? It was not the cost of production of it. Of course, the media was very expensive. You have to be, but the impact it can create to customers, the impact it can create to your end output. So I think that's where it has to be innovation across the board 
mm -hmm. rather than just in one silo. Yeah. And I love that, Patrick, with Duncan, where, and it is so true, like he used the example, like you can't have legal saying, oh, innovation, or oh, that sits in marketing. Because if procurement on living the innovation, marketing can come up with an idea, but the system's broken. It's not moving with the innovation or the, the legal team is not thinking outside the box because the company wants to move, but then the rest of the business stops it, you know? So absolutely beautiful. And uh, so, yes, yeah, so there you have heard it, listeners. Um, Mahul shared some great um, business practices and, and programs that particularly have uh, Vodafone's been deploying. Um, and we are going to uh, wrap up this section. So watch out for section two um, of our podcast with Mahul, where we have a look at the business stories that Mahul's just shared and the necessity for particular attributes in changed leaders and what Mahul thinks these need to be. Whoa, whoa, walk through life and move ahead to your destination. Shine so.